Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the UK Packers podcast. It's been busy here in UK Packers HQ. Just had my third son on Saturday. Well, I didn't. The wife did. My two other kids went back to school today. And not only that, but two days ago, my middle son broke his collarbone. I haven't slept in seven days. <laughs> oh, it do. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers Podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL. I just hope people got past the intro. Sometimes I do insane intros and then I, I wonder, do people think that's what the show is? Can you imagine tuning in for the first time and you hear that sort of radio Kiss FM style intro? But yeah, look, it's all going on here in, in UK Packers HQ. I had a podcast lined up, but then um, my third son decided he was on he was on the way out. Uh, so yeah, three, three boys now. Steve Diddy, maker of men. So yeah, um, it was amazing too because my wife was in labour and she said, do you know what it is? And we suggest a boy and she goes, oh, what do you have at home? We said, oh, two other boys. And she goes, oh, you're going to try for the girl. Worst thing, worst thing you can say to a woman in labour, active labour. I mean, fast, active, bloody labour is to start talking about, uh, you know, going for more kids. Uh, I got the brunt of it, to be fair. Um, but yeah, look, it's really busy, but there's uh, loads, plenty to talk about. Um, and I know you're all tuning in for the main one, which is the 53-man roster sort of reaction. Um, I also did a sort of a, a quarterback comparison as well. Um, and I'm going to get into that. I'm gonna, what I did was is I got the stats and I looked at Aaron Rodgers uh, when he was taking over that role from Brett Favre in 2008. And also Jordan Love and the comparisons between the two and news articles and what they said. Now, no. You know, you're like, well, that sounds interesting. Uh, but I know watches are all here for. And I think it's about time to address the elephant in the room and to talk about what people really want to talk about. And that is the pronunciation of Alex McGough's name. Stop saying, stop saying Magoo. It's not Magoo. All right. It isn't Magoo. And I know some people are offended because they are Magoos. Um, Because that's the thing. If I said, say the the practice squad quarterback's name, Alex, and you just know the Americans listening would go, Magoo, and then anyone else would probably say McCoff or not know how to pronounce it, Magooge. Um, and I put it out there, right? So I'm putting it out a lot because the name is an Irish name. Um, so it's, it's there's so many mispronounced Irish names. So that's why I'm doing a public service announcement. The real reason is, right, is that if you pronounce an Irish name wrong, Every time you do it, a leprechaun dies. So I'm doing this for the health of the leprechaun population, which is dwindling fast now that Alex Mugu is playing for the Packers. Now, I get what you're saying. I know what you're going to say, because I've had people say to me, they say, Steve, it might be McGough where you are, but it's his name and he can pronounce it Magoo if he wants. And to that, I say that is incorrect. It's not right. So if you look, for instance, right, if you're a Wisconsinite, take it. You know, take the fact that I'm telling you it's McGough. Uh, it, the name comes from Westmead in Ireland. 
And I read, I did, I did probably more research in the name McGough than I did just to see how, how the hell did we get here? Um, and there was an American guy who has this website, I think it's probably called Magoo.com, spelled McGough. And uh, he talks about coming over to Ireland to find his ancestry and he ends up in Northern Ireland, right? And he asks people, how do you say this name? And they go, Magoo. And then he thinks that that's to be on it. The thing is, it the name comes from Westmead. And not only that, it's an anglicised version of the Irish name. Because the Irish pronunciation is McGuckic, right? So it's completely different. And what they did was, it's like what happened to an awful lot of Irish names. The the English came over, uh, took over the country for about 800 years. And they got the Irish language. And if someone said something to them, they'd go, nah. And then they'd just come up with their own English version of it. So McGough is the anglicised version. And I'll settle it by saying this. Is that, how do you pronounce the word C-O-U-G-H? Like McGough, M-C-O-U-G-H is cough, not coo. You don't say I've got COVID symptoms, I've got a really bad coo. You say I've got a bad cough and that's where it comes from. But let me not stop there, right? And I'm not going to wax too lyrical about it and I don't want to annoy people, right? But if you're one of these surnames, I'm giving you on a plate how you say your name. Not only will it correct generations of incorrect pronunciation, um, it's will act as you'll be more interesting at parties. So you'll pronounce your name, and they'll go, "Are you not O'Shaughnessy?" And you'll say, "No, it's Shocknessy." Right? Just I looked it up. There's ten really common Irish names that are mispronounced. Kavanaugh is Kavanaugh. O'Shaughnessy is O'Shocknessy. Uh, anyone who likes the band Oasis will know Noel and Liam Gallagher, but it's not. It's Gallagher. You don't pronounce the G. Uh, I'm on the radio on a Saturday talking all things NFL with a guy called Ken Doherty. You might know him as Ken Doherty, but it's actually Doherty. Uh, Kinsella is another one. Do you know what? It reminds me of that story. Um, Dave Grohl tells a story that Christopher Walken uh, was doing, I don't know, Saturday Night Live or something like that. And he came up to Dave Grohl and said, I just want to know about your band. How do you pronounce the name? And of course, he said, instead of saying Foo Fighters, he said Foo Fighters. So you put the emphasis on the second one and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Foo Fighters. And that's kind of what this is. Uh, it's it's not Kinsella, it's Kinsella. And Keo is Kyo. Cahill is Cahill. Omahoney. Omahoney. Oh, I've got a pain in me, old Mahoney, is O'Mahony. Uh, again, another massive one. Ronald Reagan was one, when really his name should have been Ronald Reagan. And then there's a famous comedian called Dylan Moran, when really his name is Dylan Moran. So I'm just telling you, right? McGough, in Irish, is McGookie. It comes from Westmead. And the guy who had this website, I think I got sidetracked, said that he went up to Mona and that's how they say it. But then he came down to Dublin and they said, because he apparently came into the hotel and went, the Magoos are here. And they went, uh, I think you mean McGough. And he says, no, no, I mean Magoo. And then he said on his website that, oh, people in Dublin down south, they just don't know how to pronounce the name. It's from Westmead. It is McGough. It's fine. We'll get through it together. All right. But if I hear Magoo one more time. Um, I'm praying for the health of the Packers quarterback room simply because I do not want to hear the name McCoo and also I care and I'm empathetic and all that kind of jazz. But look, let's talk about the 53-man roster. I'm going to talk about the roster as it was presented um, and then we'll talk about practice squad and people that have been popped on IOR and back off. To me, 
not very surprised. Um, and if you want to stick around till the end of the show, I will also talk about how Jordan Love did in preseason when in the year that he was supposed to take over from the Packers. Uh, now again, because what's fascinating, and I don't want to, I don't want to shoot my load here, right? But if you look at it, Jordan Love led the league in preseason interceptions. And when you say it's it's what what's it called an oxymoron preseason interceptions, if anybody cares um, about that. But now, if you look at how he did in the preseason and how well he did, you know kind of who cares again but I just think it's a really interesting comparison for me when I went back and got Aaron Rodgers stats in the year that he took over from Favre of course you know he sat behind Favre for three years and then he comes in and there's articles there saying oh he's handed a potent uh, wide receiver weapon room so it's really interesting to see how the two of them got on and what they said and just to see Aaron Rodgers character go from like he's the new guy a new kid on the block and then he's coming in and how he sort of ended up when he left but anyway we're going to talk about the 53-man roster prediction. And to me, I didn't find there was major surprises. There's a couple of little quirks. Um, one of them being that they didn't sign a long snapper to the 53-man roster. But that's because if you don't bring a player in on the active roster and then pop him on IOR, uh, well, then you can't use him during the regular season. So if you want to use him within four weeks, well, that, you know, there's all the sort of machinations that you need to go through. So look, let's do the obvious thing. And let's jump on, look at the roster, uh, and then sort of have a wee chat about it. And I know that obviously the place to start, which has all eyes, is the position of punter, right? If we look at punter, and this is what was kind of shocking, the fact that they let Pat O'Donnell go. Now, of course, the Anorax experts, um, armchair QBs, will say, oh, well, you know, it's obvious, uh, the thing. But I don't think it's that obvious. Pat O'Donnell was quite accomplished, Um and again, in hindsight, you look back and go, oh, well, Mason Crosby, they had holding problems and maybe Pat O'Donnell wasn't a good holder and stuff. Everyone, like when the Olympics is on or like the Winter Olympics spe- specifically, right? When you look at the snowboarding, you're like, oh, well, this guy obviously is, is one of the top snowboarders in the world. And you're like, oh, you didn't know who he was four minutes ago, right? Three and a half minutes ago, you were told that he was the best one in the world. And you've literally just said that out of your pie hole now. But when it came to punter, the fact that they announced uh, the release of O'Donnell and that Dan Whelan had won the job. And uh, I know our friends over at NFL Ireland, Pro Football Ireland, got really excited and they put out these posts which went viral and they went off about, oh, it's the first time in 40 years since, you know, some Irish guy got on, an Irish-born fella, whatever. Um, But that sort of, I got a bit nervous around it, right? Because Dan Whelan, uh, who is this Irishman, um, moved over to LA, I believe, when he was 13, right? So he was born in Enniscary, which is in County Wicklow, which is literally just down the road from where actually I'm from. And it's funny, if you play his accent and you play my accent, um, we're so close in locality and you'll see a big difference there. Because, for instance, he says the word opportunity. Um, I think that's the California version of opportunity. So that was shocking. But I kind of got the, the you know, nervous, right? Because obviously I want him to do well, um, selfishly from sort of an Irish standpoint. And it's the talking point and all this. And it's, you know, we're proud Irishman, proud Wicklow man, all that jazz. However... Back in 2016, it's sort of these flashbacks came back to me because we had Tim Maste and in 2015, they brought in a punter to go against him and he won the job um, and he was carried on the 53-man roster. Happy days. And then what happened was is in 2016, again, just because uh, special teams gets me off, right, is that they had a great local Green Bay guy called Peter Mortel, if anyone remembers. And I was seeing it that he was a massive Packers fan. He was literally just from, you could spit and hit his house and... Here he is now living out his dream and he's going up against Mass Day who, 
you know, wasn't doing great and it was all about positional punting then and that started to become sexy and they were trying to get Peter Mortel landing so many in the, you know, the red zone, all this type of stuff. And so there was this camp battle between the two of them and then Peter Mortel was cut and dropped and then it was Mastay's job. So all of the articles from Michael Cohen and from Rob Domofsky rightly sort of said, oh, look, second year in a row, here we go. It was two punters. They were battling it out in preseason, you know, Mortel did really well, but Maste won the job the same as last year, and here we go. On we go for another year with Maste. And in a really shocking move, they cut him. And then they signed Jacob Shum, uh, which was that, you know, Instagram six-pack, eight-pack model dude who just happened to punt uh, for a living. So he comes in, and they signed him, I think, off the waiver wire from the books. And stuff like that was really crazy, that you have these two punters going against each other. Um, and you think that, okay, well, one of them has sort of ended up on the squad, so oh, fair play to him, he's after winning the job. Whereas, you know, looking back at that and then seeing Dan Whelan make it, I was sort of thinking that does not mean that he's made it. And that's why this 53-man roster is called the initial 53, because there's going to be a lot of moves and shakes. Um, but leaving punter aside... And, you know, Mason Crosby's out, you know, kicking balls, uh, splitting uprights. And I have a lot of love for Mason Crosby. You know, we've had him on the podcast. He's a gracious guy. He's, you know, the top leading point scorer for the Packers. But Anders Carlson has obviously got the job. Now, again, I don't know if it's going to be the case of, did he get in a new kicker? But that's, you know, you don't draft a kicker and bring him in and then, you know, let him go. I don't think that's going to be the case. So, look... Um, exactly like when we did the draft podcast and uh, Peter and Andy were on and I was sort of saying look it makes a ton of sense to have change a quarterback but keep something the same which would have Mason Crosby back on the squad at least for another year and the lads called it they said look maybe it's just time to rip the band-aid off and that they're not going to do that simply because they go look let's put up with the fact that we're going to have our teething problems. There's going to be bumps in the road. Why sort of, you know, solve one side of the team and leave the other bit the same and sort of phase it in? Just do it all at the same time. Rip the band-aid off and get cracking. Um, so look, punter and kicker aside, and the fact that the long snapper wasn't signed to the initial 53, let's start with the obvious one, which was quarterback. So Jordan Love on the roster, Sean Clifford on the roster, and Alex McGough on the practice squad. Again, no real surprises. Clifford got a good bit of playing time in the preseason. Um, he just needs to make sort of better uh, decisions. But again, just fantastic play. Now, Alex McGough, is, is the caliber of that guy is unbelievable. Uh, the stats that he was putting up, and there's so many highlight reels, which is crazy to think you can have a practice squad player uh, with just these dynamite uh, reels. But again, the overwhelming thing, and this is what Brian Gudekunst was talking about uh, when he came out in his presser, that they really went for athleticism um, and upside and potential. But that's kind of been his modus operandi since he came in to take over from Ted Thompson. You know, like when he signed Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, at that time, he said that the, you know, the best part of their career was going to be ahead of them. So we knew that that was the way he was operating, uh, which went completely at odds with what we saw from Aaron Rodgers. Because for so many years, it could have been his last year. Is he going to retire? He might walk away from the game. He's doing a Max Verstappen on it where he's saying, eh, I might walk away. I'm not really into it. So that's not what you want as a GM. Now, will it work out for Brian Gutekunst? I don't, I've no idea. I don't know. Uh, but he's certainly sticking to his philosophy. And the same was said, and I'm not pulling up comparisons and anybody who isn't a Man United fan are going to roll their eyes, but Alex Ferguson came in and went with the young guns. Um, and that sort of, it's definitely sort of Fergie's 
babes, you know, Busby's babes sort of thing of going young. Uh, but again, he doesn't see it that way. He didn't set out to like get the youngest person ever. And that's why they say they went with uh, Dan Whelan was because they're like, oh, we'll just get O'Donnell out of here because, you know, Whelan was born in the 90s. Uh, that's not the case. However, it just worked out that if you want to go for the freshest, most athletic, uh, you know, people with most of their career in front of them, deal with those teething issues, you're going to deal with youth. Uh, running back, Aaron Jones, no surprise. Obviously, AJ Dillon, no surprise. Emmanuel Wilson, great surprise. Absolutely great surprise. He's led the preseason in rushing yards. That doesn't really stand up a whole lot. But at the same time, you've you've kids like him who are out there. Am I referring to him as kid? God, I feel old. Um, you've kids like him out there who's trying to make a name for himself against other kids that are trying to make names for themselves. Um, and he really showed out. Patrick Taylor, who you would have seen as kind of tacked on, and I know that was in a lot of people's predictions, um, probably would have been in mine. Um, so it's really great to see Emmanuel Wilson there. They just couldn't deny um, how he got on. Wide receiver. Uh, they went with six. Uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Jaden Reed, Samori Torre, Dontavian Wicks and Malik Heath. Um, again, we can sort of talk about it a little bit later after all of this, but about the Bow Meltons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so who was caught? Grant the Bows, Bow Melton, Jedicus Bonds, Dre Miller, uh, Deuce Watts and Cody Crest. No real surprise there, I guess, you know, because sometimes we'd go in with seven um, and to see Malik Heath make it, but again, sort of stood out. It's just so different this year, isn't it? I mean, I'm, so, I'm probably of the old school where you look back and you're, you're so used to seeing the Randall Cobbs and the Alan Lazards and the MVSs and the ESPs and anything else that you can shorten. Uh, but to see those guys out there, but there's no denying the talent in Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs. Jaden Reed stood out a ton. Uh, people are really high on Samori Torre and there's that different sort of chemistry there as well. So let's get on to um, tight end fullback. Luke Mosgrave, obvious. Tucker Craft, obvious. Josiah DeGuara, kind of obvious. Not, you know, people are still looking at him and go, well, what, what has he done? How is he going to stand out? And the people who were cut, Austin Allen, ended back on the practice squad and Henry Pearson. You know, again, there's an awful lot of people, like, you know, you'd look at some of these guys, uh, particularly, say, Malik Heath and Dontavian Wicks, and if you're not kind of really following the preseason closely, they don't really stand out, and you're probably saying to yourself, who? Um, the next one somehow became some sort of a scandal um, online. This is the offensive line. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom, Josh Naishman, uh, Rashid Wallace. Are we calling him Nyman now again? Anyway, uh, Josh Nyman slash Naishman, uh, Rashid Walker, Royce Newman, Sean Ryan, Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuta. Now again, Tenuta going on IOR, uh, but again, just to carry him through so they can get him in there. Packers love their O-line. Uh, what's the drama? I hear you ask. People are moaning that Royce Newman made it. Uh, people are saying Josh Myers isn't good enough um, at centre, but let's just see how they get on. The one thing is, is that the Packers O-line were the best in the preseason, which is really, really good news. You can't sort of... Uh, no, again, it's preseason. All right. And I'm going to get on later about Jordan Love stats and Aaron Rodgers stats in their preseason. Uh, but again, you lead the league in interceptions in preseason or you do well. So you can overhype one and underhype the other. Um, you you know there's no real way to, to go about it stat wise but it's very good that the O-line is performing going to keep Jordan Love uh, back there looking comfortable defensive line they kept six Kenny Clark TJ Slayton Devontae Wyatt Jonathan Ford Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks cut is Chris Slayton Jason Luan and Antonio Moultrie so no real surprises there um, it was confusing that they had TJ Slayton and Chris Slayton um, slightly different spelling on the squad and when you hear about Slayton getting cut just kind of that moment of oh and TJ Slate 
I mean, he hit the news in the preseason because he's bringing back the Gravedigger Gilbert Brown celebration, which is really good. If you don't know about Gilbert Brown, look him up and bring an extra pair of underpants because the guy was scary. Let's talk outside linebacker. So Rashan Gary, who will be on a pitch count, apparently. So he's coming back, but they're going to have to use him sort of sparingly for a while. Preston Smith, Kingsley Enigbare, who again made splashes in the preseason. Justin Hollands, Lucas Van Ness, called Hercules. Brenton Cox Jr., who again stood out. Um, so again, no real surprises there. I'm not going to go into the people who are cut uh, because, you know, probably won't stand out. Inside linebacker, if they went with Devondre Campbell, it's obvious. Quay Walker, we're expecting him to step up. Quay Walker, you'll remember, or if you're not familiar, was the guy with all of those sort of personal foul infractions. So we're looking to see him mature and step up. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie, who was all over uh, the preseason as well. Eric Wilson and Tariq Carpenter. Uh, let's get on to cornerback. They've kept four. Ja Money, Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon and Carrington Valentine. So again, like the names that they cut and the other reason I mentioned them is because and PUP, by the way, Eric Stokes. Uh, so the names that they cut are names that you might remember if you're a bit of a Packers anorak. Um, if not, then you'll be like, it doesn't impact me. I don't know. So Shamar John Charles, that project has seemingly come to an end, I guess. Um uh, Corey Ballantyne, not to be confused with Carrington Valentine, and then Innes Gaines, names that we've kind of heard being bantied around and capable starters, and now we see people coming in and sort of usurping those with the likes of Rasul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon, and Carrington Valentine just absolutely sensational in the preseason and all throughout the offseason, in fact, really outstanding. Uh, safety, they kept five, uh, Darnell Sauvage, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Dallin Levitt, and Anthony Johnson Jr., um, again still experimentally you'd expect them to go with Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford uh, Dallin Levitt uh, special teams hero he might find his way out there and then to round out the roster then like we spoke about at the very top because of course it's the most important uh, would be uh, Anders Carlson and Daniel Whelan the long snapper then as I said for those reasons weren't added any major surprises there uh, not really some nice ones I think Carrington Valentine brilliant uh, Brenton Cox Jr happy days Um very impressed by uh, Colby Wooden as well was putting stuff on tape kind of non factors on, on the O-line people trying to be all dramatic there uh, Malik Heath uh, there too uh, in wide receiver and Emmanuel Wilson for running back for me um, kind of stood out so look no real surprises uh, in that but look now that we've sort of put that aside let me talk about who was popped on and off or whatever on IOR and also how the practice squad has shaped up so long story short, they don't want to tell us who's popped on IOR. So they asked Matt LaFleur and they said, here, can you tell us about IOR and who's on and who's off? And because, again, there's that sort of expectation that people will be put on, the long snapper uh, will be signed. But he doesn't want to let the cat out of the bag, particularly before the week one Bears game. Um, although the one bit of information that they did get out was the fact that Rashan Gary would be on a pitch count or snap count um, and that they, he's sort of be rotational that way. Um, and one thing I didn't mention, actually, Emmanuel Wilson, Malik uh, Heath and Cox Jr. keeps the Packers streak of, I think it's 16 years of having an undrafted rookie every single year, which is math. Right, practice squad. You can carry 16 and we have 16 players on the practice squad, uh, but there's one spot open. And why? Because there's an international pathway program, uh, which is taken up by linebacker Kenneth Odumegu. 
Uh, so there's one spot available there. Now, what we have found out was is that uh, linebacker Terry Carpenter and D-lineman Jonathan Ford uh, were released and tight end Ben Sims and safety Zane Anderson were claimed off waivers. Um, so, you know, there's a reason why they will take players on and leave them off. And they sort of said that to Gudekunst, like, that's a bit cruel, isn't it? But they're like, look, these lads are, are grown boys. Uh, they know the story. Anyway, practice squad. Uh, tight end Austin Allen, cornerback Corey Ballantyne, linebacker Keyshawn Bantz, wide receiver Grant DeBose, center James MP, safety Innes Gaines, quarterback Alex McGough, wide receiver Bo Melton, linebacker Aaron Mosby, uh, Kenneth Odumegu, linebacker, as I said, fullback Henry Pearson, safety Benny Sapp III, D-lineman Chris Slayton, running back Patrick Taylor, good to see him back, uh, tackle Kadeem Telfort and cornerback Keandre Thomas. Now there was sort of um, ructions about Jonathan Taylor. Now I saw Jonathan Taylor in the flesh for Wisconsin. The guy stood out a million miles. He was absolutely class. And so with the Colts apparently he's disgruntled and he wants to get out of there. Um, and there was all of this sort of trade talk. Will they, won't they, cut him, trade him, what are they doing? Um, and apparently the Packers emerged as one of those teams that were in for him. Now what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. doesn't mean anything because this is Brian Gutekunst's sort of modus operandi. The only thing is that we're hearing and they might do this. I don't know which way it's working, right? If the Packers say that they're open to, you know, any conversation, if it makes sense, if they're a good player, then they'll have a chat and see what the story is. So what is happening? Is Gudekunst lifting up the phone and chatting to the GMs at the drop of a hat? And if so, and what do I know? But you would imagine that the minute you get a call from Gudekunst, you're kind of thinking, does it make sense that you trade for this person? Do you have the cash? Do you have the desire you're just trying to you know you and that's what you always see you go on to any sort of uh auto trader or done deal as it is here in ireland and under every ad for a motorcycle or for a car it's like no time masters no dreamers no whatever they ask that because you'll have that all the time people ringing and going what's the story with the bike and you're like oh well here it is oh well why are you letting it go oh here's the reason and you never hear from them again so is brian gudekunst a tire kicker as such of the nfl or do people know that he's open to building the squad so they will give him a call and he'll say here let me know and then they just release a call package interested um i just wonder what the story was with aj and um aaron jones when they find out that that's the case i'm sure he has it all in hand or doesn't uh, because we saw the communication apparently was lacking um but look i'm gonna get on to just some interesting and you know you gotta have fun in the off season and it's nice to have a comparison because there's so many articles that you read from when jordan love got drafted and sort of the the crap takes there uh, or good takes depending on how it pans out uh, whether he's good or bad you decide and then aaron Rodgers, and there's that famous one about you know brett Favre will take it to the super bowl aaron Rodgers take it to the toilet bowl um, and i've got loads of receipts from people either way the correct answer to the jordan love expectation is is he's a first-round pick. You'd expect that the Packers, particularly that they gave any draft capital away to trade up and get him, were high on him. You'd expect that they kept him around, that they are giving him the team after Aaron Rodgers, that they're building a young squad. Then, yes, you would imagine that they have faith in him. And if the Packers have done their job correctly, well, then he would be a franchise quarterback for the future. Now, will he be a future Hall of Famer like Favre and Rodgers? Uh, they don't know, but will he be serviceable enough to get them to the playoffs and potentially a Super Bowl? Again, we don't know. But th- as I said, this is a thing in psychology. You only sort of earn your stripes if you go and say he's either going to be a world beater, he's going to be incredible, or he's going to be trash. And when one of those comes through, whatever side that you happen to be on, 
if it was correct that is your calling card that's your business card to people of like oh no one thought jordan no was going to be good no he said he was then he was see you. and then all of a sudden every take you have is gold um, and that's kind of what we see in play here the real answer is is look we just sort of simply don't know but it's really interesting to pluck it at this point in time i said pluck it and look at the two quarterbacks because the same commentary it's amazing the parallels the same commentary was out there for aaron Rodgers. That people looked and said, here's what he did. Uh, it was good. Does that mean he's going to have a good future? I don't know. But one really interesting part is that Aaron Rodgers was drafted. And he was drafted because he fell to the Packers at that point. Did they need a quarterback? No. Uh, was Favre putting up numbers the way Aaron Rodgers was? Um, and all that jazz. You can dive into the analysis and say, well, you know, he was declining thereafter and it made sense and all this type of jazz, right? But in the year that Aaron Rodgers was set to start and that Brett Favre was out the door, they went and drafted a guy called Brian Brom. And the thing about Brian Brom was is that he gained an awful lot of clout uh, coming out of college and it was seen as you know, this guy could be someone to rival Aaron Rodgers. It's obviously that they're not happy with Aaron Rodgers. Now, happy days that we, you get it a bit. You get it slightly when uh, Alex McGough was doing well or Sean Clifford was doing well. You always have that, oh, well, they're better. And it happened with Kurt Benkert as well. So when he came out in relief um, because they have nothing to lose and they're slinging it and they're good, they're good athletes, you know, they're, they're good athletes. So there's always this thing of oh, it's a shame that they went up in the first round draft him this other guy's showing him up so Brian Brom was a guy here's a guy that was drafted and they looked at him and they gave their opinion and I'm just going to play back exactly what they said about Brian Brom and if this does not give you a flavour of how Aaron Rodgers was seen by the pundits and again there's that whole thing about they're looking for clickbait they want the because the, the, this is what happens right the people that predicted Aaron Rodgers was going to be a superstar solidified their name on the Journalist Hall of Fame and the people that said what I'm about to play you are the people that get played on podcasts like this because it was such a tragic take and it's very easy for us to look back um, you know hindsight is 20, 20, 40, 40 whatever um, but anyway listen to what they were saying about Brian Brown and the competition with Aaron Rodgers in 2008. The post-Brett Favre era in Green Bay just got a little bit more interesting as Brian Brom from Louisville headed to the Packers. Of course, Aaron Rodgers, the guy, the heir apparent, one would think, but Brom has quite a resume. Uh, Scouts Incorporated ranking him as the number two quarterback in the country. Of course, he played for Steve Cragthorpe last year after playing in the Bob Petrino offense. Prior to that, at Louisville, put up big-time passing numbers under both coaches. Over 4,000 yards last year. He did turn it over. They had a horrific defense and probably caused Brom to try to make more plays you might want him to at times. But now you have Brom, Rodgers, both of the opportunity long-term to be the Packers quarterback. Just stop there. That's important, too, because it's weird. It, that's another comparison. So when you look at Jordan Love, they make that excuse of, you know, the offensive coordinator was changing. There was injuries there. He was throwing interceptions because he was trying to pull the team into contention. And they're saying the same about Brian Brom. Anyway, that's not the direct comparison. Let's carry on. Well, actually, I do like Brom better than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is right now in his career. Let's look at the positives with Brom. You know, as, uh, as Reese just mentioned, he's played in two pro-style systems. That's a plus when you come to the NFL. Um, I thought he was... A, a, more mobile as far as moving in the pocket and getting out of the pocket. And I feel a lot of times he was running for his life, too. 
And the thing that concerned me the very most is the inconsistency with the accuracy. That just really bothers me because I've really never seen a college quarterback that's inconsistent with that come to the NFL and translate and start being consistent. That, that is my only really concern when you think about the transition aspect because that can hurt you in the NFL. I mean, those errant passes right. go the other way in the NFL. They don't just <laughs> completion. They just go the other way. I think, I think he has very good touch, though. He has good timing. He gets rid of the ball on time. Would, would and when agree. he gets into a rhythm, he can, be, he can beat you in a lot of different ways. I, I like him. I, I honestly think Brian Brom, two years from now, could be the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. It would not shock me at all. And I, I still think Aaron Rodgers has a chance as well. But I think Brian Brom's upside is greater than that of, of Aaron Rodgers. I look at him the side. Ouch. <laughs> there that you're listening in real time i mean well looking back i guess of someone making an absolute like crap in the bed in a big way you know when you make these hot takes but that's we're in the hot take business unfortunately no one waits for the bodies to cool they just dive on in he thinks aaron Rodgers has a chance folks but there we go and like to remind you as well like brian brom was drafted in the second round of the 2008 draft. So it wasn't as if like he was a, a wing and a prayer, you know, Brock Purdy seventh rounder that came in and performed. This guy was a second round pick and it was a month after Brett Favre announced his retirement. So the Packers and the Packer fans, everybody, the media were well aware that Brett Favre was out the door. And as you can see from that clip, they say Aaron Rodgers is the heir apparent. So even they're sort of saying, well, he should be taken over, but we really don't know. So with all of that uh, in mind, what we're going to do is let's have a look at the games that Aaron Rodgers played in that preseason where he was the heir apparent and Jordan Love when he was the heir apparent. And let's see what the comparison is. And let's ask ourselves, let's ponder, let's ask ourselves, does that tell us anything about what Jordan Love might go on and do? Now, of course, it would be completely nonsensical to go into the actual scores of the game because who cares, right? It's preseason um, and the, the outcome and the score of the game means absolutely nothing. What we're looking for here is, is the general recap, the general vibe as such. Um, we're going to look at their sort of baseline stats and then look behind that to see what was the narrative. What are people talking about? So hopefully you've got the narrative so far in the sense that Aaron Rodgers was there. He sat behind Favre. Favre said he was leaving and retiring finally. Rodgers was to step in and in the second round on pick 56, they bring Brian Brom in and you have all these talking heads saying he has the higher upside and all this. They call him the heir apparent. So again, they're saying, well, he should be the one, but we don't know if he's the one. And like I said, you get this nonsense all the time where, you know, Jordan Love is playing, the backup is playing and the people go, I like him better. Um, so we see that a little bit and we see an awful lot of the stats. But look, I'm going to take preseason one, two and three and walk through them and see kind of what people were saying about both quarterbacks in this pivotal year. So the year that they were expected to take over in the regular season. And then, of course, with Aaron Rodgers, we have the benefit of knowing exactly how it panned out. With Jordan Love, we don't. And let's just have a look to see if that's going to be indicative at all. Now, I think to mention off the top is that the preseason used to be four games. Uh, I think most people remember. But if you're new to the game, it used to be four. Now it's three. Um, and Aaron Rodgers didn't play after that famously, you know, so I think it was whatever it was, uh, 2018 maybe, that he never played in the preseason or 2019, he didn't play in the preseason after that point. Um, and there was all that sort of criticism there. But when we look into it, I'll show you with the four games on the fourth game that Aaron Rodgers plays in 2008, which was his season before he went, uh, you know, his preseason before he went into the regular season as the starter, um, he only threw one pass. Now, in fairness to him, he threw one pass. It went for 68 yards, two Greg Jennings, four touchdown. And after that, 
uh, he went to the sideline to play catch. Anyway, weirdly enough, and there's a load of sort of, um, you know, parallels between them. But their first preseason game that they played, Aaron Rodgers in 2008 and Jordan Love this year, uh, when they were going to take over, was against the Bengals. Now, the Packers lost when Rodgers was playing. They lost 2017. Absolutely doesn't matter. And with Love, they won 36-19. Equally, absolutely doesn't matter. So if you look at the stats behind it, Rodgers went 9 for 15 for 117 yards, one touchdown and one interception for a quarterback rating of 79. Whereas Jordan Love went 7 of 10 for 46 yards, one touchdown and a quarterback rating of 112.9. So let's look behind the stats. Who cares about that, right? You're sort of saying, Steve, like, really? Are we going to get into preseason statistics now? But if we look back at the article that Rob Domofsky wrote on August 12th, 2008, he says that in Rogers' first start as Brett Favre's replacement, he shrugged off a shaky beginning to deliver a pair of scoring drives and a handful of highlights in a 2017 preseason loss to the Bengals. Um, and that, you know, it's going to take a while for the fans to embrace him, but he's taken a good step forward to sort of try to prove himself. And in the same sort of vein of exactly what we saw when Rogers left and Jordan Love took over, here's a quote, a direct quote from Aaron Rodgers uh, after that game. It's been an interesting last month, but I think our team has gotten pretty tight. The support from our teammates throughout the day today was definitely encouraging. So when Jordan Love came out and played, as I said, he went 7-10 for 46 yards and one touchdown, no interceptions and looked after the ball, which is considerable progress for Jordan Love. Um, as much as you can take that as a... Look, everything I say in this is, is going to be with a caveat because it's preseason. But like I said, the barometer that I was judging this by was, is it a complete train wreck? And if it wasn't a train wreck and he looked poised, and which he did, well, then it was all gravy. And that's what happened here. And now, again, he goes for 46 yards. Aaron Rodgers goes for, you know, more than that, of course. He goes for 117. So it's nearly to the tune of two and a half times. Um, but again, like, whether you want to look into that or not. So what it shows me is that Aaron Rodgers came in uh, he had a lot on his shoulders. The team rallied behind him and gave him a lot of support. We see the exact same happening with Jordan Love. They're they're making a point to go to the media and throw up a love heart and say he's the best quarterback in the league and we're behind him and we're going to support him and all this type of stuff. And the exact same is going on for Aaron Rodgers, the same sort of situation. So how did their two careers sort of start off in the preseason? Well, Aaron Rodgers started off not great and then got better as the game went on and then he came out, whereas Jordan Love looked posed and poised uh, the whole time and there was this also, also this narrative in 2008 that Aaron Rodgers has inherited a serious offensive juggernaut in the wide receivers that he had look at Donald Driver and Greg Jennings so when you see those receivers and then you look at what Jordan Love has with Christian Watson and you know Reed and Dubs and um, you know like we think there's massive potential there, but those guys are really young, whereas Rodgers was stepping into an awful lot of experience there. So let's kick on to the second game. So the second game, Rodgers uh, went, it was against the Niners. It was a loss again. He went 9 of 16 for 58 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 64.1. Whereas Love went 5 of 8, so half the amount of attempts for 84 yards, more yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, with a quarterback rating of 137.5. That was against the Patriots. Now, that game was stopped short because of that injury that happened on the Patriots' side of the ball. But again, it's such a contrast. Love started off poised. Everything went as it should in the first game. Rolls into the second game. Gets even better. Rodgers has an absolute nightmare. 
Um, the narrative, if you look at August 17, 2008, uh, in ESPN, and it says, Rodgers has no competition for the starting job in Green Bay following the trade of Brett Favre to the New York Jets early this month, but that doesn't mean he's nothing to prove in the preseason as a quarterback who has never started a regular season game in the NFL. Rodgers wasn't nearly as sharp as he was in the exhibition opener, going 9 for 18. If you look at some of the other stats, it's actually 9 for 16 for 58 yards, failing to get the Packers into the end zone in one half of action. Rodgers didn't get much help from his teammates as he was sacked four times and his receivers dropped a couple of passes. Green Bay had only 46 yards of offense in the half. We really need to fast forward to the third preseason game uh, to sort of see exactly, you know, how did, how did you really feel um, about that second game? And it says Rodgers near perfect as Packers dump Broncos. It says Aaron Rodgers went from a pathetic one week to just about perfect the next. So it really was seen as a massive failure in that second week. So here we are. Rodgers has taken over from a legend. People are really annoyed about the transition. You know, Favre is talking about wanting to come back. Rodgers starts off shaky, looks good. Second game looks awful. And then the third game puts in an absolutely stellar performance. He goes 18 of 22 for 193 yards uh, for one touchdown, along at 35 and a quarterback rating of 118.4. So he really redeems himself. And it's amazing to see the sort of what he started off as, as to what he is now. And I think that's important too when you look at Jordan Love and you try to assess his attitude, what his players think of him and what they're saying. And awful of this stuff usually is lip service, particularly when you talk to his teammates. And obviously not going to come out and go, yeah, he looked rubbish. But we saw here in 2008, uh, you see Donald Driver comes out and says, I saw a difference in Aaron. He was more assertive in the huddle. Um, and Roger says that he got the ball out more quickly, which was his trademark when he started to play quarterback at a higher level. And that he didn't hesitate to go to his checkdowns. He says that he was getting more comfortable. It's been a good preseason so far. And he's growing a lot as a player. Now, that's important because one of the trends that I see in Jordan Love throughout the preseason was that his average yards were actually quite small. So even if you look at Alex McGough going 4 or 5 for 69 yards in that game against Seattle, which is the third preseason game, you know, he is an average of 13.8 and a quarterback rating of 118, whereas Jordan Love went 9 for 15 for 63 yards and only an average of 4.2. Now, he still gets his touchdown. He doesn't turn the ball over and he comes out with a quarterback rating of 91.8. So if you were to pit them against each other, which is kind of silly, because remember, we're kind of looking past the stats onto the narrative. Jordan Love again was solid. Uh, he scored on one of his three drives. Uh, he led a long drive against the starters uh, down to Christian Watson, and then he went three and out. So, you know, the sort of consensus was another solid performance, and he's ready to kind of roll in and put his finishing touches um, on the preseason to go into the regular season, and let's see how he does against the Bears. So whereas Aaron Rodgers, now again, people look at his first season and they look at the record and they say it wasn't great. You know, bad season really when you look at it from a team perspective. So Aaron Rodgers started off slow. When you look at it, in fact, he passed for over 4,000 yards, which is pretty incredible, um, especially given the circumstances. He's a glorified rookie. You know, we read about it in the early articles. He'd never started a game in the NFL. Uh, here was a, here's a guy who they were talking about had to change his mechanics. Whereas Jordan Love is after coming in, the O-line for the Packers is noted via statistics uh, and sort of analysis by the experts that they had the best O-line in the preseason and Jordan Love is absolutely solid. This is a guy who had the most interceptions in the preseason last year 
and there was a bit of concern and now he's come in and he's been absolutely solid. If we look at the sort of Dan Orlovsky and what he was saying about him is that he's poised, he seems to be making all the right decisions, he's going through his reads, his three-step and five-step and seven-step drop are all on point, uh, he uses the right leverage, his mechanics are good, he's zip on the ball. Now again, it's not going to be perfect and we can't expect it to be that way. Of course we will because, you know, that's the way the world is now. These All these hot takes and quick takes. And we saw in the Seahawks game is that he overthrew Christian Watson considerably. Um, and there was all this analysis that said when if you look at the way Watson was moving, it made the pass look even worse because he made him look more inaccurate. But the one trend that we see is that for both quarterbacks, the team really rallied behind them and it brought the team closer, which is good for team bonding, everyone coming together. Uh, and then on top of that then is that Aaron Rodgers is talking about getting into his checkdowns and, you know, passing the ball off quickly. And that's obviously what we see from Jordan Love. He seems to just kind of take what's in front of him. He's not doesn't always have to go for the deep shot all the time. And he goes into his checkdowns. That was a criticism of Aaron Rodgers later in his career. You know, he wouldn't go for the easy yardage. He'd always go for the hero ball. Not always. Uh, you know, to Devontae Adams and triple coverage. But again, he had the arm to make it work. And he had this sort of sensational... Uh, career obviously in Green Bay so not a knock on him he goes on to rack up 4,000 yards in his first season looking at how it's trending Jordan Love seems to have had in comparison to that a more consistent preseason on the run-in to becoming the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers and I see an awful lot of sort of narrative out there that like look they don't need Jordan Love to be Aaron Rodgers and of course they don't and we shouldn't expect that either and I think it's sort of it's a clever move by the Packers in a way that they don't appear to be in a rebuilding, quote, rebuilding phase. Yet they are clearly rebuilding parts of their team. One being special teams with a brand new uh, kicker and punter and, you know, Jordan Love coming in a quarterback. But then you see some sort of old blood there, but not that old because they've only been in there for a year or two. And then the O-line is pretty experienced and should be able to keep them upright. So... You know, it's up to you. I mean, was that helpful? Uh, you know, do you get a vibe of what it was like? To me, you know, it always seems like the narrative was that, especially because Andrew Brand talks about it and some of the journals were saying, you know, that once they saw Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, yeah, when Favre was there, they, you know, Ted Thompson looked at the reporters or looked at whoever and Andrew Brandt and sort of was like, got him, you know, and this kind of thing as if it was sort of self-assured. It really wasn't. They drafted a second round quarterback to come in and have competition with him. And the analyst, for whatever it's worth, and we all know it was nothing, said that he would put up competition to Aaron Rodgers. So look, I'm hopeful about Jordan Love. I think he could be a fantastic quarterback. I think from the analysis that's out there and the game tape that's out there, which is very limited, he seems to be doing all the right things. Uh, to me, I was looking for calm and collected. He seems to have been doing that in the preseason. Uh, now again, you're going up against, you know, whatever, and you're not doing the right plays and everything else. Uh, and we'd see how the jitters get to him. I would imagine we'd see more of a fluster um, against the Bears and in the regular season, but he's going to need to go through a season or two to get his feet underneath him and see what's going on. Um, but again, I like the distribution of plays. I like the sort of, you know, pass-run ratios in the preseason. It seemed like they were really testing stuff out. And according to Jordan Love, when he was going out there in preseason, you know, he said that the playbook was already fully installed. So, you know, they had the kind of leg up, I guess, in the sense that he's been in this offense now for quite some time. And it just goes to show that there was some plays left over from Aaron Rodgers, obviously a large part of the playbook. That was Matt LaFleur's playbook and all of this narrative that it was completely Aaron Rodgers offense should be nonsense. But look, 
if you want to catch us, uh, you can catch us on the podcast now. It's going to switch to two times a week. We're going to do the preview show and the post-game review. And the regular season is on us, folks. If you want to win signed merch and also an all-expenses-paid trip to Lambeau Field, and that went to um, one lucky winner, uh, you can follow that journey on youtube.com forward slash UK Packers. And, of course, we're going to be getting loads of video when we go over to Lambeau in October. This tour was sold out again, so there's no harm in getting contact with Bennett Touchdown Trips to uh, book that in. Also, hopefully we'll get some meetups done throughout the year as well. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it's, it is really great to be back. You know, barring newborns, barring my kid flying off a seesaw and breaking his collarbone um, and everything else that kind of comes along with it. But it's great to have you along for the journey. Make sure you follow UK Packers on all social media. That's Twitter. We have a Discord going. Facebook, we have a private group on Facebook and a Discord going, as I say, uh, for all of the game time chats to get on there as kind of some sort of a form. But anyway, it's good to be back. Talk to you next week. Go Pack Go.